Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Monday, December 4th, TH, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. On a balmy December day where the mercury is set to peak at a high of 74.4 degrees and a nightly low of 63.5 in Riverside, there's much happening around the world. At the top of our news docket today, a situation is unfolding in Russia that's caught the international community's eye. A journalist working for the Wall Street Journal has been detained at Moscow's Lefertovo prison amidst accusations of espionage, a move that has sparked widespread condemnation and demands for their release. In a groundbreaking scientific achievement, researchers at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory have reportedly crossed a pivotal threshold in nuclear fusion, attaining a net energy gain. This significant leap forwards the pursuit of creating a sustainable and clean source of energy, potentially altering the course of our global energy landscape. Meanwhile, in the pharmaceutical industry, Roche Holding AG has made a significant business play. The healthcare giant has acquired Karmat Therapeutics for a hefty $2.7 billion sum, strategically positioning themselves in the competitive realm of developing treatments for obesity, a bold move that signals serious investment and innovation in the sector. Stay tuned as we delve into these stories and more, keeping you informed on the pulse of current affairs. We start with a pressing development in Russia as an American journalist remains behind bars on charges of espionage. For more on this, we go to our reporter, Ethan. Ethan, can you bring us up to speed on the situation? Absolutely, Grace. Evan Gershkovich from the Wall Street Journal has been detained in Moscow's Lefertovo prison for a staggering 250 days now. The espionage charge he's detained on has been strongly contested by the Wall Street Journal and the U.S. government, who both insist that Gershkovich was simply performing his duties as a journalist. His family and supporters are actively calling for his release, but so far to no avail, as the situation is ongoing and certainly troubling for press freedom advocates. This is obviously a very serious accusation. Can you delve into the details of these espionage charges and why they've been met with such skepticism? Well, the Russian Federal Security Service claims that Gershkovich was gathering state secrets for the United States, but hasn't provided any substantial evidence to back up these allegations. His reporting trip to Yekaterinburg in March is where the issues began, leading to his detention. Now, what's notable here is that there has been no public release of detailed evidence from the Russian authorities on his alleged activities. This lack of transparency is partly why his employer, the Wall Street Journal, alongside the U.S. officials, reject the charges outright. It's also worth noting that this marks the first time since 1986 that an American reporter faces such a charge in Russia. The international aspect is hard to miss. In the broader context, what could this mean for U.S.-Russia relations and any Americans working overseas in journalism? This incident does have the potential to further strain the diplomatic relations between the two countries. It also sends a chilling message to journalists across the globe regarding the risks associated with reporting on countries with authoritative tendencies. If the U.S. is seen as not being able to protect its journalists, it may also impact the willingness of Americans to report from adversarial countries, potentially leading to less visibility into regions where press freedom is already compromised. And what's the current status of Evan Gershkovich? Has there been any movement on his case? The latest we have is that a Moscow court recently extended Evans' detention until January 30, 2024. Despite continuous appeals, he's been denied release each time. The U.S. State Department has gone as far as to declare his detention wrongful, with President Biden assuring Gershkovich's family he's working on bringing Evan home. 
This kind of high-profile involvement underscores the gravity of the situation and the diplomatically sensitive nature of his detention. Could you expand on the reaction from his family and those close to the case? His family and colleagues are obviously devastated and campaigning tirelessly for his release. The broader journalism community has also shown support, alluding to the critical need to safeguard press freedom and protect journalists from such detentions that seem more political than criminal. The stance taken by the Wall Street Journal and Dow Jones is quite exceptional in their firm, united calls for his release. Thank you, Ethan, for that detailed update on Evan Gershkovich's detention. Let's hope for some positive developments in his case. And that was Ethan with the top story of the day regarding Evan Gershkovich's detainment on espionage charges in Moscow. We'll continue to follow this story closely. Stay with us for more news after the break including some recent political headlines from Politico. The world of clean energy is abuzz with excitement after a significant breakthrough in nuclear fusion research, with scientists from the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory achieving what's being called a scientific energy breakeven. To help us unpack this monumental development, we welcome our news reporter Chloe. Chloe, can you tell us more about what's happening at the National Ignition Facility? Absolutely, Grace. The team at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory has caused quite a stir in the scientific community. They've managed to produce a fusion reaction that gives off more energy than was initially put in to start the reaction. This is a huge deal because it's the first time researchers have passed this threshold, which they're calling ignition. It's seen as a vital step towards harnessing fusion as a feasible source of power. That does sound like a major achievement. How important is this breakthrough for the future of energy? It's potentially transformative, Grace. Fusion promises to be a near-limitless and clean source of energy. What makes it so appealing is that it mimics the processes happening in the sun, where light atoms fuse to create heavier ones, releasing a vast amount of energy. This breakthrough at LLNL shows that this kind of energy production is possible here on Earth, which many have dreamed of achieving since as far back as the 1950s. But despite this success, there are still challenges ahead, right? What are the experts saying about the obstacles that remain? That's correct. While the achievement is a significant step forward, experts, including those at LLNL, emphasize that we're not ready to plug nuclear fusion into our power grids just yet. Sustaining the reaction, and doing so efficiently enough to provide a constant supply of power, remains a considerable challenge. For example, maintaining the stability of the plasma where the fusion occurs long enough for practical use, is not easy. And what about the materials needed for a fusion reactor? Can you provide some insight into the developments there? The researchers are looking into advanced materials able to withstand the incredibly harsh conditions inside a fusion reactor. We're talking about extreme temperatures and intense neutron fluxes that can quickly damage or degrade the construction of the reactor. Magnetic confinement fusion, another approach to achieving fusion, is particularly demanding on materials, so breakthroughs in materials science are just as critical as the fusion process itself. It seems there's also a concerted effort from the government and the private sector to push this forward. What can you tell us about that? Indeed, the U.S. Department of Energy is rebooting a broad-based program to focus on making inertial fusion energy, another kind of fusion, simple and affordable enough to power our homes and businesses. There's a sense of optimism that private investment, alongside governmental support, could speed up the commercialization of fusion energy. And how does this impressive domestic feat fit into the global effort toward achieving nuclear fusion? There's a significant international component as well. 
The International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor, or ITER, is the world's largest and most advanced fusion experiment. It's truly a global endeavor with seven members, including the United States, all pooling their resources and knowledge. Progress at any of these projects, ITER included, contributes to the collective understanding of how to make fusion energy a reality. As exciting as this is, we have to look at the broader picture. Do you think fusion can help address the current energy crisis and contribute to climate change mitigation? That's the million-dollar question, Grace. While fusion has enormous potential, some experts are cautious about its role in the near term. The timeline for deploying fusion energy on a large scale might be longer than what's needed to address immediate climate change and energy needs. Despite that, this breakthrough is a substantial stride forward in our search for sustainable and environmentally friendly power sources, depicting a brighter and cleaner energy future. Thank you, Chloe, for that detailed analysis of the nuclear fusion breakthrough. It certainly does spark hope for a future fueled by clean energy. It's my pleasure, Grace. It'll be exciting to see where these advances take us in the years to come. Good morning, everyone. Here are some other headlines we're following today. A series of recordings have emerged showing the tactics the Mormon Church employs to protect itself against child sex abuse claims. This has sparked new conversations about the responsibility and accountability of religious institutions in such matters. In legal news, a former U.S. ambassador has been netted in Florida, accused of being a clandestine agent for Cuba. This case is bringing fresh attention to the complex web of intelligence and diplomatic relations between the United States and Cuba. Next, we're looking at rising tensions in the Red Sea, where multiple commercial ships have come under missile strikes in a Houthi attack. Additionally, a U.S. warship has responded by shooting down three drones, spotlighting the escalating maritime security challenges in the region. Moving on to the corporate world, the Supreme Court is set to examine the bankruptcy arrangement of Purdue Pharma, the makers of OxyContin. With billions at stake, the outcome could have vast implications for the accountability of pharmaceutical giants in the opioid crisis. And in economic news, McDonald's is bucking the trend by increasing its investments in China. This signals a strong confidence in the Chinese market, despite existing geopolitical and economic challenges. These headlines bring key issues to the forefront, involving institutional integrity, international relations, security threats, and both corporate and multinational investment strategies. Now, for a bit of uplifting news, Queen Latifah, Billy Crystal, and others have been celebrated at the prestigious Kennedy Center Honors. This event highlights the incredible achievements of artists who have significantly contributed to America's cultural scene through their work in the performing arts. It's an inspiring story of recognition and joy, celebrating the positive impact and creativity these individuals have brought into our lives. Turning now to our third story of the morning, there's big news coming out of the pharmaceutical industry where a major acquisition is shaking up the race for new obesity drugs. We have our specialist correspondent, Ethan, here to dive into the details. Ethan, can you tell us what's happening? Absolutely, Grace. Swiss pharmaceutical giant Roche Holding AG has just made a massive splash by acquiring Karmat Therapeutics Inc. The price tag is a hefty $2.7 billion potentially rising to $3.1 billion if certain milestones are met. This deal is bringing three experimental medicines under Rock's wing, 
all of which are focused on battling obesity and diabetes. Those numbers are quite staggering. Why is this market so attractive to Roche? The market for weight loss treatments is booming, Grace. It's projected to hit $100 billion by the end of the decade. Roche clearly wants a slice of that lucrative pie, positioning itself alongside rivals like Novo Nordisk. This acquisition puts them right into the competitive field. And among these treatments is a drug called Connecticut 388, am I right? Can you tell us more about it? Yes, Connecticut 388 could be a game changer, Grace. It's a once a week injection, and what's interesting is that it's similar to Monjaro, a drug from Eli Lilly that's been getting a lot of buzz. CT388 showed promising signs in phase 1 trials and is moving into human testing for phase 2. Roche is betting big that Connecticut 388 will lead the pack for obesity treatments, especially with its potential to address comorbidities. With the deal including up to $400 million in milestone payments, It sounds like there's a lot of confidence in these treatments. Does the acquisition extend beyond these drugs? Indeed, it's a comprehensive move. Roche doesn't just get the medicines, it also gains access to Carmit's extensive research and development work, encompassing all their clinical and pretrial assets related to obesity and diabetes. Plus, Carmit's chemotype evolution platform could be key to future drug discoveries. Now, we know that nothing is without its challenges. Especially in such a complex field. What are some potential hurdles for Roche? That's a good point, Grace. First, there's always the risk of side effects with weight loss drugs, which can turn patients away. Also, maintaining weight loss in the long term is notoriously tricky. Then there's the market itself competitive, with risks of shortages and high prices. Public skepticism over weight loss treatments can also pose a hurdle. I can imagine. Also, Considering that obesity is affected by multiple factors, how does this impact developing treatment solutions? It makes it all the more challenging, Grace. Obesity isn't just about excess weight, it's interlinked with various health issues, requiring a multidisciplinary approach for effective treatment. The field must rally together to establish consistent guidelines, and regulatory bodies will play a crucial role in evaluating these treatments. With such complexities, What do you think the next steps are for Roche and others in this space? Roche, along with the rest of the industry, needs to stay committed to research, innovation, and, importantly, personalized treatments. Collaboration across disciplines is essential, and it'll be interesting to see how Roche leverages their new capabilities to navigate these challenges. Thanks for that in depth analysis, Ethan. It's clear that Rock's acquisition is about more than just financials, it's about shaping the future of obesity and diabetes care. That's right, Grace. We'll be following this closely to see how Roche integrates these new assets and whether they can indeed impact patient lives positively as they aim to. Thanks so much for joining us and sharing your insights, Ethan. It's definitely a story we'll keep our viewers updated on. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT 4, GPT 3.5 Turbo, and the Google Cloud Text to Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.